Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host chair is Brian Scott Rippey. Works for Super Talk Mississippi, covering Ole Miss. Today's guest is Ronnie Hamilton, Ole Miss basketball assistant coach. But first, Rippy, what's up, man? Not much. How are you? I'm good. How was Columbia? Uh, it was a long drive. The traveling there and back, it was it was quite long. Yeah, I made that drive for basketball. It was terrible. There's nothing there. Yeah, I don't know if you did like up towards St. Louis or whatever, but I actually stayed in Jefferson City because there were no hotels in Columbia. So it took me actually up to Jonesboro and then just straight through the middle of the state. I probably went four and a half hours on two lane highway with just like absolutely nothing around me. Maybe longer than that. It may have been closer to five. Yeah, I'm still upset. I couldn't drive through Missouri right now because the Cardinals had no business beating the Braves. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. On the Modern Woodman phone line will be Ronnie Hamilton first. Before we really get going here, let me tell you about my bookie and impact by Ironwood. With pro football, college football, and the MLB playoffs in full swing and both hockey and basketball around the corner, now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. Mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. And all you got to do is use the promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC. And when you do, you'll activate the offer. That's promo code TOC to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. What do you make of Ole Miss right now after that loss? I don't know. I think they're improving. Like I think you can see each week that they're getting better and they're kind of getting a better handle on the offense. And it seems like they're setting on a little bit of an identity aside from the whole quarterback thing, which I think they might've found something late in the game, but they just didn't make enough like winning plays. And I know that sounds like cliched coach speak, but I mean, you had like four or five plays in the game that really shifted the pendulum and they all went against Ole Miss and pretty much all of them were self-inflicted. I mean, the missing the deep ball to Elijah Moore on that fourth down was a little bit of poor fortune. Cause I mean, he missed it by probably a couple inches, but like you had the two, roughing the passers with targeting that kind of backed him out of their own end zone. And then you had the goal line thing at the end of the first half. So, I mean, they were closer than probably the scores showed, but I don't know. It's almost like they're all 18 and 19 years old trying to figure out the sec. Yes, they can be improving, but at the end of the day, it's a scoreboard business and almost is three and nine in his last 12. That's a problem. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to win. Like you could, it's interesting dynamic because you can see the foundation that Matt Luke has kind of laid with you know the all the freshmen on offense. I mean, what going into that game. 15 of the 20 touchdowns they'd scored this year, I think were by freshmen. I don't know what it is after that game. And you can tell they're improving on defense, but if he doesn't get enough results and beat game, like win games like that, like games where you're maybe not quite as talented, but you like remain in the game and find a way to win it. He's not going to be able to stick like that. He's not going to be afforded the time to stick around to see all of it through. So eventually they're going to have to start winning games like that because in his, since he's been here, I mean, the only games that really qualify in that are what maybe Texas Tech. I mean, I don't, I, I don't count beating Arkansas in their current state and beating Vanderbilt as counting. And so, like, aside from that, like, I don't. Who has he beaten? I guess. I mean, Kentucky. You had Kentucky and State as interim year, but since it was kind of fully his program, they haven't had a win like that. I mean, what they beat one Power Five school last year. Only Kentucky at Kentucky. Did they beat a team that maybe they weren't supposed to beat? The other teams, there were some special circumstances. Texas Tech, for example, losing his quarterback. Arkansas losing his quarterback. These games like Missouri where they have a chance to win, the talent disparity isn't all that significant. They haven't won those games. At some point, you got to break through. Texas A&M this weekend would be a, another opportunity for that. Matt Luke still hasn't beaten a team he's, quote, not supposed to beat. Improving and showing signs, that's all great. I mean, at some point you have to break through. Yeah, I mean, going into last week, that felt like a prime opportunity for them to do so. I mean, it was a game where you didn't really know what to make of Missouri. I think Missouri's pretty good. I think they've got a puncher shot at the East, particularly with the Georgia loss because they get Florida at home. But, I mean, it felt like an opportunity for them to maybe go in and steal one and kind of build a signature win. Really, each of these, that game and this game coming up, felt like their two best opportunities. Because the problem you face now, if your old misses, if you lose this game, you know what the ceiling is. You're going five and seven at the absolute best. Like if you lose this game, bowl eligibility is out the window. Unless going on the road to beating Auburn really a realistic possibility? No. No, you're not beating LSU. You're not beating Auburn. No. You'd have to go five and seven, and to, you'd have to beat State to get to five and seven. How do you sell four and eight? Yeah, you can't. You can't. And then he's about to have a new boss. So like, how does that factor in? I mean, you figure at some point, obviously, by the by the time next season rolls around, or really probably before spring practice, he will likely have a new boss. So how does that factor in? And I don't know. They got to start winning games that they're quote unquote not necessarily supposed to win. Do you get the feeling Matt Luke feels it a little bit? I mean, probably. This is a whole different conversation if they just win one of Memphis or Cal. Of course. Because you're, what, four and three right now. You've got a gimme fifth win in New Mexico State, and you basically got two free shots at beating Texas A&M or Mississippi State, and you're back in a bowl game. So I don't know if that's what he's feeling. I don't know if he's feeling they left it out there. But, yeah, I think he's feeling something because, I mean, the losses are continuing to mount, you know, they're staring five and seven in the face for the second consecutive year and possibly worse than that. This is no indictment on Matt Luke. Matt Luke, I think when people look back on it, is going to get a lot of credit for keeping this program afloat. It could have completely fallen apart, and it didn't. That's commendable. That's something that, that he should be proud of, and the talent he's brought on campus, it's no small thing. And it sucks that Hugh Freeze, it's a shame that he hasn't been held to account for what was coming the year that he was fired before the season started. Because if you look at that 2017 class, the one in which he went and signed a bunch of kids amidst all the craziness of the NCAA stuff when it was really coming down hard. Gone from that group, Didi Bowie, Breon Dixon, Tony Gray, Josh Clark, A.J. Harris, C.J. Miller. Never made it to campus. Chester Graves, Javonta Payton, Takeon Reed. Graduating gone, Markel Winters, Javian Hamilton, Jordan Tiamo. So, so far, I've got one guy who's been worth the crap, Jordan Tiamo. Currently on the team, Momo Sonogo, he's hurt. Braylon Sanders, Brendan Williams, Ben Brown, Isaiah Woolard, Zy Baker, Ryder Anderson, Sincere David, Alex Faniel, Jamar Richardson, Cam White. So I'm counting Jordan, Momo, maybe Braylon, Ben Brown, Ryder Anderson. Isaiah Woolard's the fourth running back. You can maybe throw him in there too. You're talking six, maybe seven true contributors out of one class? Hugh Freeze doesn't have to answer that. Matt Luke is the one that's had to deal with a class he didn't sign crippling his team and he's having to play all these newcomers and you're not going to win consistently when you're playing so many true freshmen there's going to be trial and error I get that but it's a results-oriented business so while it's not fair 
That's still the gist of it. But that 2017 class was a disaster of a class when you look back at it. Yeah, it was. And that's probably the class that ends up like all signs port to him being kind of the unsung hero here to where I don't know very many situations. Like, I just don't see very many avenues where this ends in a way that like Matt Luke would want it to end. But then doesn't like if you look back in 20 years, don't you probably isn't he probably the guy that's considered the one that holds things together? Because yes. the thing is right now, who's like the results wouldn't be any different with any coach right now. I mean, what, what would Dave Doran be doing right now? Nothing. Probably much of the same thing at the same time, fairly or unfairly. Matt Luke is kind of dealing with the general unrest that the fan base has with not only the football program his hiring, but the university as a whole, it's a tough deal. Like it, it's like one of those things where like he, the way he's turning down his quote unquote dream job, but at the same time, it may not end up being the best thing for his, like would have been the best thing for his career long-term. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he turns around. Maybe he goes to a bowl game this year. Maybe he ends up building a winner. That just seems far less likely than the former win six and go to a bowl. All this goes away. But right now that's not the current course. And that's why it's such a problem. And you're right about Dave Doran. Ole Miss was trying to make a hire in a terrible environment. It was the worst job in the SEC that year. Jeremy Pruitt wanted it, but Jeremy Pruitt would have been a disaster here. Charlie Strong wanted it. They didn't even come close to talking to Charlie Strong. They were zeroed in on Dave Doran. They ended up hiring Matt Luke. Maybe that was the best option amidst the ones they truly considered. Mike Norvell, they eliminated him early after early background stuff, popped up some red flags. So, yeah, Dave Dorn wouldn't be doing much better, if any better at all, and the recruiting wouldn't be the same. Because just as much as that 2017 class that was all Hugh Freeze was a disaster, could have very well buried Ole Miss. The recruiting that Matt Luke and Steph have done ever since, like this 2019 class, that could be the class, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, that could potentially save Ole Miss. Because if you look at this 2019 class, they're hitting on pretty much everybody. Get John Rice Plumley and Jerry Ely, Jonathan Mingo out of the discussion. And just look at the other guys that are playing. DeAndre Prince is four-year starter from here on out. A.J. Finley, Jay Stanley, those not-so-highly-ranked recruits are already contributing and playing good football. Offensive lineman like Nick Broker. Nick Broker wasn't a highly-ranked offensive lineman. Ole Miss loved him, but he was a three-star and yet he's come in and pretty much taken over at left tackle. If he was weighing about 20 more pounds, I don't think there'd even be a debate as to if he could handle or hold up over the course of an entire game by himself at left tackle. But that's your left tackle. Across the board, they've got guys that are contributing that aren't just the five-star Jerrion Ely, not just the four-star John Rice Plumley. Snoop Connor, the only other high major offer he had was Memphis. So Ole Miss has done a tremendous job recruiting, and that's a credit to Matt Luke. This 2019 class is a monster. Could turn out to be better than that 2016 class that was so good. And I know that's blasphemous to say, but go look at the contributors already. So just as bad as 2017 was, 2019 was great. But at the end of the day, it's about the scoreboard. And Ole Miss just isn't winning games like going to Columbia and winning. Texas A&M at home this weekend. That's a vulnerable team. You can win that game. So pulling out this game on Saturday would go a long way. It feels important is what I'm saying. Glenn Boyce, for better or worse, is the chancellor at Ole Miss. No one knows who the AD's for sure going to be, but a hire could be done by December. At that point, if they're 4-8, and eight, how do you sell it? But if you get to 6-6, six and six, you find a way to beat Texas A&M, go on the road and beat State, you got a shot. But does anybody feel confident about any of those games? Like, Do you feel confident that Ole Miss is going to go into Starkville, even as bad as State is? find a way to win that game they just hadn't done it yeah and the problem with four and eight too is like if it, depending on who's hired and when they're hired like that could be seen as a fairly i mean it's almost like the ross bjork matt luke i mean ross bjork mike bianco thing like if ross bjork had stuck around and like a, a way to regain favor if the baseball team had continued its cycle it was on in may was to kind of move on from mike bianco like it is the same thing true with matt luke like with the new guy do you try to like just gut the football program and I guess show it as a sign of strength or show it as a sign of I'm going to rectify this or whatever. Like you run into some of that too, but yeah, I mean, but again, one win and you're like, they're a win away from it being an entirely different conversation. Cause if you win this weekend, you've got a fifth win built in as a gimme. And then it just becomes a gigantic egg bowl. Cause if you win that, then you know, the entire, the way you look at his entire tenures change. So like, yeah. it's an important couple of weeks, but man, if they beat Texas A&M, that egg bowl for both sides involved becomes gigantic, which you didn't figure would be the case after both teams kind of after the 2014, 15 seasons, just kind of 
fell back into their normal holding place in the SEC. Because these teams and fan bases can't just have nice things and enjoy life and be happy that Mississippi football is relevant. No, one school, Mississippi State, would rather have a murder-suicide. I'm not getting into all that. You're right. If you can find a way to beat Texas A&M this weekend, it does change things, and it just feels more important than it already was. Long-term, this game feels important. This game feels like one that could define Matt Luke. Do I think Matt Luke's getting 20-20? Yes. But there is a path to where he doesn't. Beating this team feels more important than it otherwise would in what will probably be another year without a bowl. Now you got to beat somebody you're not supposed to, but Matt Luke hadn't done it yet. If they do beat Texas A&M, how do they do it? I, that's a good question because I don't really know what you get from Texas A&M. They had a running back go down early in the season that kind of changed the way they run offense. So Kellen Mond is... I don't know how much of is it a regression or they're just putting more than he's capable of on his shoulders. I don't know. I mean, I, I would think is to just limit him in the sense of make him look like Kellen Mond and not make him look like, I don't know, whatever Chase Garbers from Cal looked like that day he came to Oxford. And then they've got to be better against the run. I mean, they've been good against the run all year, and then they give up 200-something yards to yeah. Missouri and gave up their first 100-yard rusher since the season opener. I don't really know. I don't know how they do it. I think they can. I think Texas A&M is a vulnerable team. Obviously, getting out to a fast start and getting ahead would be, I don't know, does Texas A&M lay down? I'm not sure. I doubt that, but I, I don't really know how they do it. I think they have a chance, but I, honestly, I don't really know what the blueprint is as we stand right now because there's what does the quarterback thing look like? Do they continue to alternate drives? Do they continue to mix them in there with really no rhyme or reason as far as like there no being a pattern? I don't mean that in a bad way. That seemed to be the most effective way they did it is when they just kind of rapid fire subbed them in and out. So I don't know. I don't know enough about what Ole Miss is going to look like offensively to really kind of see a blueprint. But I would say run the football effectively and don't let Kellen Mond throw all over you. I don't understand the plan with the two-quarterback system. I get what they want to do as far as Matt Corral can, quote, throw it better than John Rice Plumley, But John Rice Plumley has been responsible for the touchdowns. He can run it far more effectively. And I don't know what he is as a passer because they refuse to give him an opportunity to throw the ball down the field. But it's not like they're getting any opportunities because the wide receivers are good. The wide receivers aren't getting any separation. Elijah Moore is, but Miles Battle's been a disappointment. Demarcus Gregory's an upperclassman. He's done really nothing. Jonathan Mingo's a freshman. The interesting question is, if you lose this weekend, you're going to lose to Auburn, you're going to lose to LSU. So really the only guarantee left on the schedule for a win is New Mexico State. At what point do you just roll with John Rice Plumley and take free shots to see what he is? It's a complicated deal, though, because I would argue in some ways they have seen what Plumley can do throwing the ball. I mean, look, I know it was Alabama, but 10 of 28 is 10 of 28. Then you see him coming the other night, and it's not like him. Like he makes like people get really upset when, like, because I said the other night that when Matt Corral came in, it was probably a wise move. I still stand by that. I think at the time it was a wise move because you look what he did on that drive. He goes four of six, and one of those incompletions is simply just because Jonathan Mingo fell down. I don't see how you can look at those two and not just sit there and say, Matt Corral offers so much more throwing the ball while Plumlee offers a ton more running. Plumlee, he made a nice throw to Scotty Phillips. He made a nice throw to Elijah Moore for touchdown passes, one in the first quarter, one in the third or fourth. I don't remember what exactly that last one came in. But it's him missing guys by like, I mean, I'm not trying to be exaggeratory or like funny here, six and seven feet sometimes, like on short to intermediate passes. And so like teams, you can tell teams don't respect Palmy's ability to throw the ball. As soon as Missouri, like as soon as Palmy came in the game to start the game, Missouri went a single high safety and put seven in the box. And I don't think it's any coincidence that he had more consistent success throwing the ball or running the ball, excuse me, once Matt Corral came in and kind of opened up the field some. So I think it's like fair. the short, I think the short term solution is playing two. But to your point being, there's like you have an offensive coordinator that's really that that's not exactly a foreign concept to him. He's done it at a multitude of places, but at the same time, that's not really a long term fix at all. So I don't really know what you do. Yeah, I because, don't know what you do either. But didn't Corral get a raw deal in this somewhat too? Yes. I mean, he was built up as the guy. The offense struggles through the first couple games because I don't know. Most of these kids are 18, 19. You have a disaster of an offensive line, which to their credit, they've gotten better since. But the first couple games, they were awful. And then he gets hurt, and you have this kid comes in that runs all over the place, and Plumlee's quickness is dynamic. I'm not saying – like I think they have to use him in some way. But then all of a sudden he was the guy, and now he's not after, what, he played three games, four games? 
I think all along they should have done what they should have done is have Corral be the every down quarterback after I guess he couldn't have played against Alabama after that and have a package for Plumlee. And it can be a big one. You could go 65 35 or whatever, but planting the seed of having Plumlee as the every, every down quarterback for two games, I don't think really did them any good in the long term. Yeah, I guess there's maybe some more to be seen with him throwing the ball, but I would argue most of it you've already seen. He kind of is what he is right now. He needs an offseason of development before he can truly become a passer. Matt Corral has gotten the raw end of the deal here. They did no favors to that kid taking him in SEC media days and heaping all of this pressure, completely self-inflicted. They just threw a bunch of pressure on Matt Corral that he's now the face of the program, giving him that extra pressure. You're probably right that the best solution right now is the two-quarterback system. some point, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to decide. Good, yeah, bad, whatever. Yeah, because you're not whatever. going in the next two years with two quarterbacks. Yeah. That's yeah. just not going to happen. It's not, it's not a long-term fix, but it is kind of the short-term fix. If you're wondering why they're doing this, they're not dumb. They're playing for the long-term, sure, but they're more focused on the short-term. They know what the pressure is. Playing two quarterbacks right now, that's the short-term fix. Yeah, because, I mean, if they don't win games in the short-term, they're not going to be around to see the, lo- see, see the long-term through. But at the same time, like this, I, I don't like the long term fix is not playing two quarterbacks. I mean, it's just not going to work. You're probably going to have one kid, maybe two, enter the transfer portal this offseason. I don't think Plumlee's going anywhere because he's got the baseball thing. But I don't know. I would be kind of frustrated if I were Matt Corral. And I know he's been Mr. Good Teammate and all that. I don't mean to say that lightly. Like he seemed to have handled this very well. But I would be frustrated if I were him. I'm not saying he is. I'm not speaking for him. But I'd be kind of frustrated because this all just kind of got away from me rather quickly. He's been the best kind of teammate. Now, we don't get to see him in the locker room every single day. He's done a great job of being a leader. He's been great, absolutely great, because if I were in that position, I can't say that I would handle it better. I can't say that I would handle it as well as he's handled it. I'd be putting up a stink, but I don't blame Matt Luke for playing both quarterbacks. He's got to protect himself while also protecting the team. You're trying to win now, also balance the future, it's a hard line to walk for Matt Luke. If you don't beat Texas A&M, it becomes that much harder. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. About to go to the Modern Women phone line. But real quick, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood in Cheney's Pharmacy. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, It takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. But what about the houses? Custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. At Cheney's, Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Joining me now on the Modern Women phone line is Ole Miss basketball assistant Ronnie Hamilton. Ole Miss basketball season is rapidly approaching. Arkansas State coming up in just a couple of weeks. Ronnie, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, Ben? How you doing? I'm good, man. What's the recent work been like for you guys? Oh, it's, it's been great. You know, um, you know, you get to practice, and as you mentioned it, uh, kind of before we get on, you, know, you get the summers. Or I, I was 
talking to maybe another coaching friend of mine. Sometimes official practice doesn't feel like it's official as, as it used to be because, you know, it was, it was, at one time it was one particular date, uh, October 15th, and you couldn't do anything with your team. It was all individual stuff prior to that. The summer you couldn't work them out. So uh, now all those rules have changed, so you get a lot – uh, a lot of opportunities to do stuff before you ever really get into quote unquote official practice. But now that we are going official, officially, um, you get to spend more time with them on the floor. Uh, the, the practices are longer in duration. Uh, they're more consistent in terms of every day. So uh, I, I think it's been great for our team. Um, we got a, a younger team. They're still trying to form their identity, uh, which, which that's all teams are trying to do this time of year. But but they've come in and really competed, uh, been enthusiastic about learning and, and all. I think our chemistry has been really good early on. So I think we continue to do those things. We have a chance to, to have a really successful year. I've been out there a couple of times. I said this to Kermit at the open practice. You could tell a difference with this roster. No disrespect to last year, but when you watch this group work, there is a difference. Do you notice it too? Yeah, no doubt. You know, I just think just, just the depth, you know, and, and, and the length and athleticism, that's one thing just within the league as you go through a coaching against some of the other great teams, um, you know, length around the rim, trying to finish uh, plays, you know, whether it be in transition or around the basket or on drives, you know, everything's contested so much length. And I don't think we didn't have that as, as much as we liked to last year. I think we definitely have improved uh, from that standpoint, the, the depth in practice, just with guys competing and being pushed every day, whether it's Devontae or Brian, they can, you know, look across the uh, uh, other end and, and, and know there's somebody that's, you know, competing with them and chomping at the bit to try to, you know, beat them out. So I think just the competition and practice and enthusiasm and, and, and the length and athleticism, you definitely can notice that the roster is getting to a point where, you know, it feels more like a you know complete roster. Hadeem, Austin Crowley, any of the newcomers, they're getting all the headlines here, but one guy that could be big for Ole Miss is Franco. He lost last year because of injury. You worked with him individually every single day, it seemed like. It looks like he's back to full health. Now, fingers crossed for you guys, but do you see that Franco's finally rounded into form? What's he look like for you? Yeah, he's, he's been he's been really good early on. You know, uh, you can tell he's got his, his, his burst back. He's a guy that's obviously got a great frame, physical, uh, good size as a as a guard, and just never could get healthy, as we know has been well chronicled uh, last year. But but over the course of summer, Andrew Bike, our trainer, did a tremendous job, and uh, I think he's you know right at 100. Uh, percent But again, you can see all the things that the guys are excited about signing him because he can score at all three levels. He, he's, he's starting to shoot the ball more consistently. Uh, it gives you another scoring threat, you know, kind of in that Brian mode. Just he can play off the ball, he can play on the ball, but he's really wired to score. Uh, he's been good. We're still pushing to, you know, like all our guys, to, to defend better, rebound better, and execute all those toughness things that, that translates to winning at a high level. But it, it's been great to finally get him uh, healthy and playing to, uh, to his potential. I mentioned that individual work that you did with him in particular. What went into that? When you're trying to get a guy back and you have to spend one-on-one time with him, what do you put him through? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of just, you know, especially a guy coming off an injury, you know, injury in his case. Sometimes this guy's his red shirt, so you're trying to maybe, you know, uh, just teach them just the, the nuances of the game or really trying to drill them on things that that um, that, that, that we do as, as, a, as a group, whether it be, you know, guards or bigs or offensively or defensively. So, and you do, you know, the luxury of, of, of him sitting out last year, you got to try to really focus on um, some particular things for him that, you know, he needed to improve upon, whether it was, you know, getting where he can really shoot off the dribble, you know, just be able to really score off, you know, just one or two dribbles and, He's a great catch-and-shoot guy, getting stronger at the rim. So we just, as we went through practice and noticed things and saw things, part of it was getting him healthy, you know, so he could go full speed. But then it was just, you know, working on some things that thought for him individually would translate. And I did, he did a great job. He attacked it. And as the season, I would always, you know, brag on, on him, the coaches. If we went through conference play, we had a little routine, you know, four games. Uh, you know, he just kept attacking. You can see his confidence level growing. And part of it is, too, just for them to get their confidence level back. So we've done it for, for years, been been a big part of what well, coaches. As, you know, all the guys have improved. That player development piece is, is big for us. And, and he took it by the storm. I mean, he took it by the, the you know, he took, he took, he took you know, ownership of it and really bought into it. And I think it's a big reason why he'll, he'll have a really good year for us this year. Is the hardest thing when you're going through those drills with a guy like Franco 
it's the mental side of it, right? Because he's not feeling himself. He's trying to get that explosiveness back, but there's that apprehension. Franco, was it getting over that mental hurdle above everything else? Definitely. I mean, definitely early on, definitely. I mean, just, you know, he, I think it's a long part of time. You, you kind of get close to 100%. And, and, and physically, you may be there, but mentally, you're not, like you said. And, and you know, we've seen it with other athletes, whether it be a, a Paul George and his injury, you know, they've had different injuries, or just certain guys. You get past the physical of, of the doctors and trainers say you're clear to go, <laughs> but but you still got to get past that mental hurdle. And so, yeah, I could definitely notice that you know, as we got started really going and, and, and trying to get him up to full, full speed. And then as he got to a point where he did, then you could really start to see his confidence level build back and in his mind, you know, feel like, hey, you know what, this this is the player that that, that, that that I know I can be, you know. And so it's a twofold. You're trying to build uh, conditioning. You're trying to build confidence. You're trying to build technique. You're trying to add on things. Uh, you're trying to build on things that he's got to do for us in terms of how we play. And you just try to try to do all those things uh, you know, together at, at a rate that that can help him get back as quick as possible, and you know, give him a lot of credit. I mean, he did. He really attacked it and stayed with it. Was really persistent and persevered through some adversity and had a little setback here and there. His knee would get sore. You know, he'd be you know be a little bit out of shape, but he fought through it, and I think he's going to reap the benefits of it this year. You work so diligently with the guards and the wings during practices for an Austin Crowley or any newcomer that comes in, what's that adjustment like? Do you bring them along slowly or do you just throw them in there and, and just let them get acclimated on their own? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we've had a philosophy and Coach Davis has had this for a long time, just to throw them in there, you know. It, it is, it's an adjustment. I mean, I tell guys all the time, the speed of the game at this level, the physicalness are the two biggest adjustments you got to make. And so the only way you can kind of get used to it is to do it. <laughs> it's, you know, just kind of you just get thrown into the fire. So with those guys, you know, uh, that happens immediately. And, and, and then, you know, the game will be fast for them. You know, they'll surely, sure enough, they'll have to think too much. Uh, they've got to learn plays. And so we throw it all at them, and then eventually it all slows down. Sometimes it takes some guys longer than others, uh, and you just try to help that process, whether you're watching more film with them, you coming out to practice and, and walking through some stuff. So when you are throwing it at them, you can come back and, and, and kind of slow that slow it all down for him. But, um, you know, like Austin, in his case, he, he he's one of those freshmen that, you know, been in a great school like Sunrise Christian and played a lot of, you know, high-level games where he, he's more even ready than most guys. And he's been he's been great about it. All those guys kind of progress at different stages, all the new guys. But I think they're all slowly but surely starting to understand what we expect. And, and we still got some time, too. So it's coming up pretty quick, but there's still about, you know, three or four weeks before we really tip it off against uh, Arkansas State. Austin Crowley, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it didn't take him very long to get acclimated. What has he done to impress you guys ever since he got on campus pretty early? Yeah, you know, you hit on him. I mean, he's got, number one, got great basketball uh, IQ, and uh, I think he's benefited, uh, like I mentioned before, being at a really good, you know, uh, high school, uh, prep school uh, team at Sunrise Christian out of Kansas. They do a tremendous job. Uh, obviously, Blake Henson, uh, came from the same program, and, and he was, you know, very much like Austin, ahead of the curve in terms of just, you know, just knowing the game, understanding the game, being able to understand defensive concepts. Uh, I think a lot, large part of that, again, just kind of their background, you know, being coached in a really, really highly competitive, you know, high school environment where there's a bunch of other, you know, high major guys that they're playing with and play these national schedules. And, you know, if you notice, like, you know, I mentioned Blake, you got Devontae Shulis at Oak Hill. Dean was at Oak Hill and some of these schools that, that provide you those opportunities, I think it does help him come in more ready to play. And, and then some of this as an individual, he's a really mature kid. I mean, we noticed that, you know, right away recruiting him, even on his official visit, uh, he has that type of personality. So he, he's been great. We respect the big things from him. We're going to need him to contribute early and uh, he's getting better and better each week. We can talk about it now because he signed, he's an Ole Miss rebel. When he committed to Vanderbilt last August, how shocked were you guys? Yeah, you know, we, we were. You know, we we done a great job getting to know his family. They've been recruiting him even prior to coming here. Coach Case had done a tremendous job. He and Coach Davis developed a relationship with him and his family. And, you know, we were set to have him come up officially, I think, a week or so afterwards. Uh, and so we all anticipated, you know, getting on campus. And, you know, just one of those situations, it, it, it hit him uh, uh, on the visit and, and felt compelled to do it. And sometimes, you know, 
uh, timing is timing and, and things happen for a reason. And so we're so glad that ultimately ended up working um, uh, to, to he's here with us now. But we were we were shocked when it happened, and 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 then, and then really shocked again. And we had opportunity to recruit him again, and we're fortunate enough to to, to sign him in the spring. And he's like I said, he's been a great addition to our, our family and our program. And he's going to be a tremendous player for us. He told me straight up when he reopened his recruitment, he got out of his LOI with Vanderbilt in the spring. He took over his recruitment and he told his dad, I know where I'm going. Did y'all know pretty early that y'all were in the driver's seat, so to speak, to get Austin? Yeah, we felt good, you know, cause, you know, felt like we were right there the first time around. And, and so obviously, you know, reopening it, you would think you would have a chance, but you know, you know how recruiting is, you, you never feel 100% great until he signs or says he's coming, you know, so um, it didn't last long, which was good. Uh, you know, it, in those spring recruitments, can, can, the, the, the time frame and timeline can be a lot quicker just based on, you know, when signing day is and when guys make decisions. So we didn't have to wait a whole long, uh, a whole, uh, a long, long time that second time around. But uh, when he did, you know, reopen it and he got through the, the portal and all those uh, processes, we felt like we would have a great chance. And ultimately, he, he decided to come back home. How tough was Hadeem's recruitment? Oh, it was, uh, I tell people, man, it was like a roller coaster. You know, we all been to amusement parks where, you you know, his curves and his ups and downs, it just, it lasted for a long time. You know, obviously we, we saw him early in the fall and, 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 you know, recruiting Bryce, we would get a chance to, to recruit him too. And he had made, you know, made, made, you know, his intentions felt he would probably sign this spring. You know, we left a little open you know, for the fall, so we tried you know, maybe see if he's going to sign in November. And then ultimately he did wait until the spring. And so when those things happened, uh, man, it just, like I said, it seems like it, it, it lasted you know, even longer than it did, you know, because you're, you're involved for so long. There's new people come in and out. It's, uh, you know, just waves in the process. And so, uh, you know, he finally did come. I, I can tell you we all were celebrating and, and having a good time <laughs> here in Oxford. Yeah, he was your guy, man. He's the one you uh, stayed in consistent contact with. How does that work in recruiting to where you put in all this legwork? Do you get a time to celebrate? Do you actually have a celebration when you get rewarded for all that hard work, if that makes sense? We'll get right back to Ole Miss men's basketball assistant coach Ronnie Hamilton after this brief word on Grove Sharks tailgating and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Ole Miss football is back at home, and that means great food, friends, and fun in the Grove. Let the experts at Grove Sharks tailgating take care of all your needs before the party begins and the Rebels kick off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Grove Sharks still has a few packages left for the weekend or the remainder of the season. They can provide tents, chairs, coolers, and TV accommodations, among many different items. Visit Grove Sharks at GroveSharks.com or like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks Tailgating. You can also reach Grove Sharks owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. That's 662-816-3493. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Yeah, no, it's rewarding. I mean, that's, that's the fun part of it. I mean, it's, it's obviously um, a lot a lot that goes into it in terms of time and resources and, and you know, conversations and, and all the things that happen with recruiting and, and, and going to see them and, and, and trying to build a – rapport with everybody around them and, and so uh you, you put all that into it and it's like anything I mean, it becomes a you know a relationship where you know ultimately you know he's got to tell somebody no and in his case told us yes so when you do get get rewarded or get get that that satisfaction of of, of getting the guy that you really really feel strong about you recruited really really hard there's definitely a sense of, of joy and in some case sometimes relief <laughs> but but you do celebrate you know whether it's just a 
you know, just just a celebration, just that night when he says he's coming on Sunday, of just you know, just just excelling, you know, because it's usually like I said, a lot of a lot of time put in, a lot of stress um, that goes with recruiting, uh, and like I, I told people with him, you know, he just we kind of persevered, persevered, and stayed in there, built a great relationship with him, and I think ultimately he felt like he could trust our staff and coach and to develop him and get him to where he wanted to be as a player. We're we're real fortunate to have him. He's been great, and and, uh, we expect a big big year from him for sure. I know you've been on the other side of this, but I talked to football staffers about this before, and not getting the guy you put in all this legwork for feels like a breakup. You've been through it before. What's it like to be on the other end of it? It is. It's it's like a breakup. I mean, because – you know, some of these recruitments, you know, they can last for two, three years. I mean, there's guys we recruited in this this current class that we've recruited, you know, for a long, long, long time. I mean, a long time. And, and you do, you build a relationships with not just the kids, but the families and everybody around them. And, and ultimately, they, they come to an end, whether it's good or bad. When they, when they, when they turn the other way, you know, it's, it's sudden. You know, and it goes from talking probably once or twice a day and texting a guy, you know, every other day or, you know, every day and, 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 and all the people that, that he's close to, to, you know, just, just you know, a quick abrupt ending. And, um, you know, you, it's natural to have your feelings hurt because you, you know, you feel like you've done everything to, to show him why he should be you know here and playing for you and your program. And, uh, but you can also understand the guys have to make tough decisions, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, and that weight in between too, when you know, you've, done everything you can possibly do and there's a point where they, they're just gonna make a decision and it may be a week or two weeks you know where you're sitting there waiting <laughs> it's anxious times and because uh, you know how important it can be to the success of your team but uh you know the, the thing that we try to do is just you know continue to work work and work and know that oh, eventually we're gonna you know find the right guys that fit our program and our culture has Hadeem been the player you recruited and thought he'd be yeah, you know, he's been great. I mean, he really, really has. I mean, he's he's actually, you know, ahead of, of, of what we thought we'd be just in terms of just, you know, just, just, just binding the coaching and, and, and working. I think he's, you know, a lot of times when guys, you know, maybe take a, a different route or have to go a, a different way to get to where he ultimately get to, like in his case here at Ole Miss, um, starting at Virginia Tech, going to Virginia College, it, it helps, um, you know, maybe – uh, you know, him just humbling him a little bit and, and getting to realize just, you know, just how fortunate he is to be, you know, where he's at. And so I think that's that's a, a big part of, you know, him mentally right now and his maturity level. But he, he's been a great to coach. Um, you know, I think he's a great field. He's played in games, experienced, all the things kind of that we, you know, we talk about with some other guys like Austin and, and, and earlier. But he, he's, he's been a fun guy to coach. You can do a lot of different things. You can play him all over the floor. You can obviously score around the rim. He can face up. Has the ability to make threes. So all the things that we were hoping for, he, he's, he's been that and more. And I still think he has a whole other gear that he can get to um, before it's all said and done. So we're excited about just seeing him continue to improve and, and, uh, and the type of year that he can have. When I first had you on this podcast, I've just been hired, and I asked you about the step up in recruiting from middle to Ole Miss. And it's no disrespect to middle, but it's a different level. And you mentioned how at Ole Miss, y'all had everything at your disposal. It was like hitting the lottery in terms of recruiting and how you were able to go pursue a different type of athlete. And from the guys y'all brought on campus to the guys you've signed, I think that's borne out here at Ole Miss, that y'all have stepped it up, and this has been – a step up for you guys as far as the caliber of player that you're able to recruit. But in your experience, has it met your expectation as to what you could recruit and how you could recruit once you got to Ole Miss? Yeah, I think it has. I mean, we, we realize I mean, it's ultra, ultra competitive, you know, especially in this league and especially um, current times in this league in terms of everybody in the SEC, um, you know, wants to be really good in basketball. You can see the commitment they've made with coaches and, and just all the all the things that's going on in our league, and you know, you got teams outside of our league that we compete against. So we realize it's ultra competitive, but at the same time, like you said, we've got such a great product to sell. And I think even just year one, just to, you know, type of success we're able to have in terms of getting to the tournament has allowed us to to uh, uh, to even get involved with more guys. But uh, we got here, and our whole goal was to to try to go recruit the best players in the country that, that fit us. And and so we're not going to win every one of those fights. But we're gonna be involved in them, and uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, we, you know, we get kids on campus. They realize how special this place is, and uh, we're gonna to continue to, to try to recruit at a high level because we've got big goals. 
um, for our staff and our program. And, and the only way to do it, obviously, is, is is to have really good players. So we'll keep working at it. And uh, but it, it's 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 been it's been a fun challenge, great challenge. And, you know, we still got a lot more work to do. When Wynn was on this podcast over the summer, Ronnie, he straight up said anything short of the Sweet 16 is going to be a disappointment for this team. You feeling that way too? You ready to go out on that ledge too? I'll let him speak for himself. You know, I just think it day by day. Coach Case gets excited at times, but obviously that's the goal, you know, get back to the tournament. I think one thing that that will motivate our, our team, our staff, and our coaches feels that way is, you know, we got there last year, which was a great accomplishment, especially for those seniors, just the program overall. But but how we played when we got there wasn't what we wanted. So now we have a taste of it uh, to get back and have more success is what we're working towards every single day. And, but I do, I like our team. I, I think they're just going to get better. Um, you know, I like where we're at, but we've got a lot of room to grow. Um, and so I think with, at the end of uh, the season, as we work, uh, we've got a chance to have a really, really, really good team that can compete in the tournament and win games. How tough was getting bounced in the first round? I've asked this to Devontae and Bree, and they both said, yeah, we're using his motivation. But more than anything else, Blake admitted it. You ran out of gas a little bit, right? So this team is better equipped to go into that environment should it get back there, right? Yeah, no question. I, I think, you know, you, 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 set, a, you set a goal. Uh, sometimes you can set a goal and you reach the goal and you, you realize that, you know, it, it, it's, you know now there's still more work to be done. But once you get there, here's what's got to happen to to, to, to even – you know, surpass, you know, what you, what you, what you want. And I think this, somebody was too. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, we weren't as deep as we would like to be and, um, going through the league for the first time. So as we got to the end of the season and we, and we, and we realized, you know, the opportunity to play in this tournament, now being there, these guys, we knew it. We tried to prepare for them, talk to them. We've been in that tournament as a staff, uh, all of us, you know, at some point in time together at different places too. That man, you gotta have an even more of an intense focus and and execute more because everybody's really good, you know, and everybody's now zero zero and all those cliches. But I do think just the experience of going there and not getting there, uh, and the other thing too, you know, it really helps you get some momentum. And so, you know, to be able be able to play better late in the year is a goal of ours. I think that helps you when you get you get into a tournament. You know, you see it with Auburn last year, you know, they got hot at the right time and ultimately led to their run. So uh, there's a part of being fresh and, and doing this. Doing this I think we're helping with our depth. There's a part of, you know, playing better at the end of the season, which, which helps you when you get in the tournament. And then just getting there knowing that, you know, that the, the, the intensity level, the focus, the attention to detail, all those things at a heightened, uh, uh, even a heightened sense than just even, you know, even even SEC play. I mean, because it is. I mean, you got 64 teams at all, you know, trying to play. 68, I should say, they're all trying to play you know, for a chance to win a national championship. That's ultimately, you know, what we all want to do. We're not going to get into specifics here, but this offseason, you were a wanted man, and you almost got a head coaching job when you went through that process. What was it like for you? What can you take away from that process? How close did it get for you this summer? Yeah, you know, it was, it was a fortunate situation to, to, to just be in some conversations with some people and programs and um, administrations about, you know, possibility of, of being a head coach is something that, uh, you know, especially within the last, you know, four, five, six years, I've, I've had a, a, a goal of, but uh, I'm so content and so happy here. Uh, it would take a tremendous opportunity for me to leave, but but also just, you know, just so thankful for Coach Davis because, you know, I think he's really helped prepare me, um, you know, if that opportunity would come at any point in time. But, uh, it, you know, something that you, you always look at if, 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 if it feels right for you and, and your family. And so, uh, um, I think we've got a lot, lot to accomplish here. Um, but, you know, obviously the focus is just trying to win games here and get to the tournament and have success here for those things. But it is, it was, it was uh, an honor just to kind of, even, like I said, just be discussed and talked about uh, some of those opportunities. And we'll see what happens uh, in the future. But so excited about our team here. I think we have a chance to have a special, special season. He's Ole Miss assistant basketball coach Ronnie Hamilton. And it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Thanks for coming back Uh-oh. on, man. I appreciate it. The season's coming up. And I look forward to seeing how it all plays out, bro. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Let's do it again. Thank you so much, Ben. Good to be back on. That was Ole Miss men's assistant basketball coach Ronnie Hamilton. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. If we're not in a particular spot, hit me up on Twitter at Spirit Ben. I'll try to get it done for you. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is powered by BNA Bank.
Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Back with me now is Brian Scott Rippey, works for Super Talk Mississippi. He talks, he writes at BS Rippey. What are you working on right now? Nothing really in particular, just kind of getting ready for some Texas A&M prep. We'll probably have a guy that covers Texas A&M on the show for Wednesday and then just kind of keep rolling into what should be a really fascinating week for a number of reasons. First time people can booze in the stadium too. See how that goes. Yeah, forget everything else. Ole Miss is selling beer on Saturday. It was very weird of all things they omitted Bud Light. I'm not particularly a Bud Light fan myself, but like if you have the other three generic beers in Coors Light, Miller Light, or Budweiser or whatever, I, maybe they don't have Budweiser, but like why leave that one off? I found that to be interesting. All right, Silver Bullet for eight bucks, 16 ounces. Miller Light, Bud Heavy. Oh, Bud Heavy, Land Shark, Blue Moon, Susie B, Henry's Hard Sparkling Water. God, that sounds horrible. Not bad. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either, but not bad. Not bad. They got a nice lineup. I think it'll help. I mean, it's not like people were drinking in these games before, but it'll probably help things in terms of not having these younger kids, particularly in the student section. I don't know, funneling liquor liquor into their face out of a crushed up water bottle. It'll probably help some responsibility, drinking responsibly, maybe a little bit because it's beer, not hard liquor. Sounds like uh, that's from a place of experience, buddy. I've been a student before. I've sat in those games. Like, <laughs> let's, uh, let's be honest about what's going on at those things. I mean, you know, last year, what I hate had sent me a tweet. It was during one of the first games of the year. I think it may have been the Alabama game. Ole Miss was getting just crushed by somebody. And it was just some poor kid holding his nose as he has the crushed up water bottle in his hand. And he takes like three big gulps. And you could tell he's like holding back a puke. That's more the norm than the, the than an irregularity there. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, I don't know if Ole Miss will monitor this at all, but they'll probably, like, at Tennessee, I think, or Texas maybe it was, there was, like, a decrease in alcohol-related incidents because of this because you didn't have to yeah. – I mean, you didn't have to find a liquor mule to smuggle in, like, I don't know, a fifth of liquor. Instead, you could just drink a couple beers and then stay for as long as you want and then go. Like, I, I think it'll help things overall. I can't believe it took until 2019 for this to happen. And, of course, with Ole Miss, it took until midseason to be able to sell beer at games. Any other athletic event, Grizzlies games, Braves games, Cowboys games, you can drink beer. Now you have the opportunity to just go enjoy a game like a normal game in any other atmosphere. And that's a good thing. And it's a new revenue stream for Ole Miss. Daddy's money's going to yeah. go a long way starting this weekend for beer. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's another revenue stream. I mean, it, like you said, it's almost like college athletic departments are paranoid or something. Yeah, it's crazy how that works. Yeah. 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 Basketball opens its season November 8th against Arkansas State. You heard from Ronnie Hamilton, Ole Miss assistant basketball coach. What are your thoughts right now on Ole Miss basketball before we get out of here? Should be a fascinating team. They, they should be. I mean, they've you would think on the surface they have ability to go like 10-11 deep. I don't know if Kermit will end up wanting to do that. They'll probably trim that down, but I don't know. I just noticed the way that he reshaped the roster in a single year and just being able to tell that at practice was was wild to me. I mean, it looks totally different than last year. I mean, last year, you know, you had a front court of, of Dom and Bruce and really no one else, and then now look at it. I mean, it just it looks physically just completely different, which is, I mean, a testament to Kermit and that staff and everything they've done. So I think they should be pretty good. To me, like in this in the SEC, the way it is now, there's going to be three or four teams that are, or maybe two or three, that are pretty good and just get swallowed up by the league. And how do they avoid being one of those? Kerry Blackshear for Florida transfer. He was tabbed the SEC men's basketball preseason player of the year. Seems about right. They may be the best team in the league. Yeah, they're the best team in the league. They're better than Kentucky. Yeah, I think so. And then just, I don't know. I mean, like, it was already a deep league last year, and then you add Buzz Williams, Eric Musselman, and Nate Oates. And then I don't know what the Stackhouse thing is going to do at Vanderbilt. They'll probably suck this year, but like it's quite the league. Like last year, you noticed for the first time, there are no off nights. There's no like, oh, there's a 220 RPI South Carolina team coming in. Like, not that you can take a night off, but it should be a fairly easy win. There really aren't any of those anymore. And I think that you saw that some last year. Where does Ole Miss rank for you going into the year? I don't know. I mean, you have the media days in Birmingham eight, nine range, like somewhere towards the back half. but Which seems low. It does. But again, it's Ole Miss. They had one year, like the people voting on that 
that seems about right for where they'll land, right? I mean, I think they, they have the ability to finish, I don't know, top six in the league. I think they're definitely capable of doing that. But as far as where they'll be ranked preseason, that feel probably eight, nine range. The league is stacked. Yeah, it is very much so. So you're not going to SEC media days? No, nah, we've got like the radio show and we still got football going on and all that kind of stuff. So my my hands are tied here. Being a one man band isn't the easiest thing. I envied the two four seven and rival sites in that sense. Yeah, you can jump in the car with me. We'll go spend a couple hours over there. It'll be fun. It would. It would. I've never been to Hoops Media Days. It's a different vibe. It's not the same as football. But last year it was just me and Parrish from Ole Miss. Yeah, I just pictured it to be like a shrine to Jerry Tipton and Bob Holt. Oh, Jerry Tipton runs that thing. Yeah, I figured he, he, I mean, he runs the teleconference. Bob Holt runs the football teleconference. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't know what I can ask Devontae Shuler and Brian Tyree at this point. I've talked to him a hundred times already. I mean, it just feels like they're like, I mean, if you're talking about on the national stage, you could probably get it from some other teams too. It's like they're, I don't want to say disrespected because that's such a stupid term in basketball, particularly with the way it's used the NBA, but they're fairly underrated backcourt in terms of like where they're talked about in the landscape of the SEC, but like find a better one. I mean, I'm sure you can, but you probably can't find him anymore. Brian Tyree was named first team all SEC for the preseason. He's the only returning first team all sec member the rest got drafted you're right i think old miss has got far and away the best backcourt if you factor in everything yeah i mean it should be once again probably a strength of their team kind of like it was last year how do you replace terrence davis i don't know if you necessarily have to because i think they're going to play a different style obviously you lose a lot in losing terrence davis i'm not suggesting that but backcourt should be strong once again Ole Miss was picked to finish eighth in the preseason you were right eight or nine that just came out yeah Okay, that's about right. Right near the middle, state seventh, Kentucky, Florida, LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama at six. Yeah. Interesting. State seven, Ole Miss eight, Georgia nine, South Carolina 10, Arkansas 11, A&M 12, Missouri 13, Vanderbilt 14. I guess the only one I don't really understand is Alabama. Yeah, that's where I can make a case where Ole Miss should be higher. Everything else seems exactly right. State should be formidable, pretty good. Everything else seems about right. Alabama, that's something. I expected them to be like Andy Katz and put Ole Miss 11th. 11th, that's too low. 8th, that's actually about right because they have upside. You expect them to be in contention for a tournament spot. 9 would be too low. You're giving them credit for last year while also saying this could be a tournament team. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it gives them enough wiggle room to, you know, finish above what what Kuffner always loves that stat about them finishing like above where they're projected like, you know, 7 out of 8 years or whatever it is. Like that, it leaves them some room to do that. Eight seems very fair. That's about where I figured they would finish. They're an NCAA tournament team, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Again, but there's someone in this Alabama State, Ole Miss, Georgia range. Maybe throw South Carolina in there. I'm not sure. The league one through 14 is so good. If they do come together and everything clicks, they do have sweet 16 potential. I know Ole Miss believes that that's the expectation. You got to get on the court and play. But I do think Ole Miss has got upside everywhere. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. How can people listen, read your stuff, all that stuff? Tell them. Supertalk.fm. I guess you can follow me or Supertalk or on Twitter at BS Rippey or Sports Talk Miss. M-I-S-S. And then our podcast is anywhere you can get podcasts. It's called the Rebel Report SoundCloud Apple Podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can get it there. Rebel Report. They put a lot of thought into it. They did. If anyone ever comes up with a better name, I'll rename it in a heartbeat. The Show Up North. Hasn't that already been a thing? Yeah, but now you can take it away. It was my thing. It was one of my shows. I named that show. Yeah, I guess I'm just waiting for, I don't know, Joe Moorhead or Matt Luke to say something dumb. And so maybe I'll name it after that. The really, really, really <laughs> Ole Miss Rebel Report? ADs on the field? I don't know. Blue Collar? The Hard Nose Podcast. Mississippi Made? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. I don't know. That's I can't go anything with related to the shark. No, like, God. That seems played out. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I'm just picking. Matt Luke's a great dude. I hope he works out. I hope he wins. But at some point, you got to be somebody you're not supposed to. Just have to. Yep. Starts yeah. this weekend. Yeah. What happens this weekend? 
A&M wins a close one. Until Ole Miss wins one of these, I'm not going to be able to – like there's no evidence for me to be able to be like, hey, this they've done this before. They could do it again. So I think they're in the game, but A&M wins a close one because they just haven't been able to find a way to win these close games. So that's my prediction. You're absolutely right. He's Brian Scott Rippey. I'm Ben Garrett at Spear Ben. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Sounds good. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.